You are listening to a weekend message from New Life Church in Fort Smith. We would love to connect with you, so find us on Instagram or Facebook at NLC Fort Smith. Enjoy the message. Listen, I want to tell you a couple things. One, um, thank you guys so much for supporting Panda Express as much as you have. The lines have been a bit ridiculous. Uh, But now let's uh, ease up a little bit so that I can get in and get out and not have to devote three hours to it, okay? I'd appreciate that. Uh, The second thing is that um, this week we are, um, today I'm going to teach a message, and next week we're starting a new series that will take us through the summer, through the book of Matthew. So as you're reading uh, this summer, if you just want to start at the beginning and then read all the way through the book of Matthew uh, over the course of the next few months, then you and me will be on the same page as far as what we're studying, okay? Um, I'm going to get into Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. If you have your Bible, you can open there. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I've been reading this week. Americans, on average, every year, they spend $899 on things that they regret buying. Uh, 74% of all people that have purchased something online, which is like everybody, uh, 74% of people say they have experienced buyer's remorse for something they've bought online. How many of you have ever bought something and you said, wow, I did not think this would be what it is. One time we bought a sofa uh, on the internet, off of Amazon, and on the pictures, it looks awesome. The whole family's hanging out on the sofa, and we got it to the house, and I couldn't fit my leg on the sofa. I thought they only sent me a quarter of the thing, and uh, I was terrified to sit on it because it was so small. Buying clothes online is difficult because you never know. If it says, uh, this runs a little large, okay, okay, it runs a little large, so that means that I have to order a size down, and then and I get it, and it's like four sizes too big. And the worst thing is if I see something online for me that says this runs a little small, uh, I have to order like a 10X in order to make it work because it's just crazy the way stuff works off of Amazon. I don't like it. I don't like to just order stuff. And I'll tell you what I don't do is I don't get online and just type in something. Okay, yep, that's what I need. Click, buy, send it to my house. No way. No chance. I I think a lot of you might be like me. I like to read the reviews. And I want to know everything about the product. I don't want to just see the product. I click in, I type it in. I want to know what it's about. I need to see the pictures. I need to see this product from, I'm, I'm spending $7, but I'm going to spend an hour and a half reading, okay? Every different angle. I need to know. I need to see the video. I need to know, does this thing last a long time? Go down in the comments. I'm looking to see, is this thing still good after three years? Like, okay, that's the kind of guy I am. I want to know everything about it. I want to see things. I want to see pictures. When I read about faith and it's having assurance in things that I cannot see, sometimes that's difficult. 
that's hard for me to relate to because well, I'm not I'm not just like a tell me person. I'm like a show me person. Like don't just tell me, show me. Okay, don't just tell me how to do this. I need to see you do it. Right? When I tell my kids about something, this is the worst. If I tell my kids about anything going on in the world, they're always like, oh, show me. I'm like, what do you mean show you? Pull up a news article. I want to see. No, I ain't going to pull up a news article. You just take my word for it, right? They want to see, and that's kind of the way that we are wired. Today, we're going to talk about a man. He didn't have Amazon reviews. He did not have pictures to look at or videos to look at. He didn't have anything except the word of God. Today, we're going to talk about Noah. You can open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6. Everyone grew up hearing about Noah's Ark. We had the little felt boards. We had the boat. We had the giraffes, you know. Noah had the rainbow. It was like, it doesn't matter if you went to church or you didn't go to church. You've at some point encountered the story of Noah's Ark. People have all kinds of uh, things about Noah's Ark that they think it's beautiful. They love the rainbow imagery and it's God's covenant and it's all wonderful. And there are all sorts of nice things that you could pet while you're on the boat and all this kind of stuff. I'll tell you, the actual story of Noah's Ark is actually pretty difficult. It's pretty tough. It's a story about an evil world, the judgment of God. It's also a story about him showing mercy in the middle of it. And in all this stuff happening, the world's a mess and everything's going on. It's a story about a man who only had the word of God. He followed God and he obeyed him. So in Genesis chapter 6, we get into the story of the flood and the ark. And so I'm going to start in verse 5. You can read the whole thing, Genesis 6, 7, 8, 9. Like, spend some time and just read through the story. Really, the way that it starts out is like an episode of the X-Files, right? It's like Nephilim and the sons of God and the daughters of men and like really wild stuff, okay? And then we get into verse 5. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted all that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. And with them, the animals and the birds and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. So God is looking out over the earth and everything going on on the earth. And when he looks out, what does he see? He sees evil. He sees wickedness. And the Bible says uh, here in verse five, he says, I went and I saw that all of the, th the, th the thoughts that they have, all the inklings of their heart, everything inside of them was not good, but it was evil. And this is just a side note here. I want you to see uh, in verse five, it talks about how all their thoughts and the things that they were thinking about was evil. And then when you get down to verse 11, it says, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. That all of the evil on the inside, all of the thoughts that they had been dwelling on, the evil things, it eventually made its way out from their heart into their hands and turned into violence. And this is just a, a truth for all of you today is that things that you think on and dwell on in your heart and in your head will eventually make its way out into your hands. 
And so God sees the evil in their hearts. He sees the violence of their hands. And the Bible says that God's heart was deeply troubled. And I'll tell you, for me, it's hard not to draw a comparison between the days of Noah and the days we live in today. When you read the news, you see what's happening in the world, it seems like every day when you get on, there's something evil and there's violence and just terrible things happening all over the place. And we shouldn't be surprised by this. Jesus said, uh, just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. Like when the, the end times are coming, when the Lord is preparing to return, it will be the same kind of way as it was then. Evil and violence and all sorts of things. Just as it was then, it is now. And even, especially the last few weeks, you know, I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago with my wife and I, I was trying not to, I was trying to be unplugged from the internet, from the news, from everything else. And you get on and you see about um, a terrible thing happening here, shooting here, shooting there, many people killed in a grocery store. And then this week we get up and we see everything happening in Texas and it's in the Bible, there is, there are several different ways in which people sing and worship God. Um, they sing him with songs of adoration. They sing to him with songs of thanksgiving. They sing songs of declaration of his word and his character and how good he is. They also sing different types of songs called songs of lament. In fact, there's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. It's just lament. Lament is to express deep regret, grief, and sorrow. So you see it in the Bible. You see it in the Psalms. What you don't see it a lot in is modern worship music because we like to focus on the, the thanksgiving, like we're thankful, we come in and we want people to be uh, full of God's joy and to understand his goodness and his greatness. So you don't see things a lot like Psalm 6-3 in a Sunday morning where it says, I am sick at heart. How long, O Lord, until you restore me? Like we don't come in and say, I'm sick at heart. Like you just don't, it's not something you're going to hear, right? But it's a song of lament. It's a song of expressing grief. And this week, as I see the news and I hear the stories and I read all the articles and things about what's happening in our world, that is something that I'm, I, in my own life, have just like taken some time to express lament to God. Like, dear Lord, Lord in heaven, because there is a heaven, there's a place for us that's not this place. And when we see the brokenness of this world and the sin and the fracture and the hurt and the pain here, like it should do something to us. 
it should call for a response in us where we long for something that we don't have here, where we long for something better. And when we see what we have now, we say, God, why? There's one song that we sing that I like that's a little bit of this. And you recognize it. It's a, do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. Like that's the heart when we see things that are broken and painful and hurting. It's like, God, I long for the day when we're away from this, the sin and the pain, and when we're with you forever. And when God looks out in Genesis 6 and he sees the world broken and hurting and lost and evil and full of every bit of wickedness, he expresses lament. He says, I regret this whole thing. The Bible says that he was deeply troubled. And this was the worst moment in the history of mankind. It was just as evil. There was nothing redeeming about it. But the Bible says in Romans that we serve a God of hope. And that even in the darkest moment, God still brings hope. He does not leave us hopeless. And so we're reading about the horrible state of mankind and the lament of God. And then we get to verse eight and it says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. There's the hope. There's this guy um, named Dave Ramsey. Some of you will like him. Some of you will don't, not like him. I don't care. It doesn't matter. But he says one thing that I uh, do like. It's a quote that I heard a long time ago, and it stuck with me. It says this, if you live like no one else now, you can live like no one else later. And I think it's a good bit of wisdom. What he's saying, he's a financial guy, so he's talking about how you deal with your finances. And he's saying, everybody else right now, uh, they will spend their money to have the things that culture says they should have, right? So I'm gonna spend my money and just live and buy whatever I want. Uh, and then later in life, because I haven't saved, I'm gonna struggle. And so culture has this whole uh, laundry list of things that you need to have. Like if you wanna be happy, you gotta have an iPhone, you need to have an Apple Watch, you need to have a Tesla, uh, you need to have Jordans on your feet. Let me tell you, my boy, I didn't even know uh, shoes could be that expensive, right? And Fox comes to me, he's like, Dad, I want a pair of Jordans. And I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever, cool. Uh, what are they? He's like, uh, this one's only $268. And I was like, Never. <laughs> You'll never have a pair of Jordan. No chance, right? Uh, I need an Amazon Prime account so I can get everything in a day or two. I need Netflix. I need Starbucks every morning. I need to take a picture and post it on Instagram. And I want to live like everybody wants to live right now. But the problem with that is I'm overextending. And then when I'm older, I'm not going to have anything. I'm going to have to work and work and work all of my days. So Dave Ramsey said, live like no one else right now. 
Be frugal, be wise, be smart with your money, save so that when you're older, you can live like nobody else and you don't have to worry about your income. It's good wisdom. When um, God looked out on the earth, he saw one man that was living like nobody else. If you're taking notes, I'm gonna give you a few things about Noah that we see from his life that you can write down. The first one is this, live differently. Verse nine says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. He was righteous. That means he had right standing with God. He was blameless. That means that he had right standing with people. He was good relationally. And he walked faithfully with God. When no one else did, he did. And God looked out and he saw a world that was completely evil, but he saw one man that was living like nobody else. He was living differently. And so because he was living like nobody else, when God was looking uh, later in his life, he could live like, I mean, literally no one else. Everyone else died, right? (laughs) Spoiler alert on the story here. Can you imagine how difficult it must have been for him to live for God in a time where no one else in the world did. Nobody. You and me, we might find it a struggle to walk with God and to keep our faith where we are. Maybe we work in a job that is difficult and we're surrounded by people that don't follow Jesus, that don't love him. Maybe we have pressure to do this or that, right? But on the weekends, you can go to Community Bible, you can come to New Life, you can go to the Methodist Church, you can go to Eastside Baptist Church. All over the city, there are people that are thinking the same way as you, loving God like you do, trying their best to follow Jesus. You have a community of people and as hard as it is for you maybe to follow Jesus, Noah was the only one in the whole world. In Genesis 7-1, God says this, when everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, go into the boat with all your family for among all the people of the earth, I can see that you alone are righteous. At some point in your life, Listen to me. You have to decide and determine. It doesn't matter what anyone else says or does or thinks. I'm going to live differently. When you follow Jesus, when you are a disciple of the Lord and you walk in the way of Christ, your life is going to look different than the lives of people that don't. And often it may make you feel like, oh, I don't want people to know. It doesn't. I'm determining in my heart. I don't care how I look, I'm gonna live differently. I'm gonna live a life that loves God, that follows after him each and every day. One day, your faith will be challenged. And there will be something that comes up in society or culture or whatever, where people want you to not, they want you to think a little bit differently than the word of God says. And it's like, no, no matter what comes my way, I have determined in my heart, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Someday you'll have to have courage to stand up for what you believe in and the truth of the word of God. Determine right now, I am going to live differently than everyone else. I'm gonna follow Jesus. The second thing is this. This is what we see Noah do. I'm going to do everything 
that God says to do. When I was, we, we got our first house many, many years ago. Y'all, y'all may not know, I think you do. I'm not like a handyman type of person, right? Like that ain't me. And if you need somebody to fix something, there are men in this church, like I'll, I'll point you in a hundred other directions, but don't ask me how to fix nothing because I don't know, right? But when we first got our, our first house, um, the air conditioner went out. And so I went outside and I'll start, I don't know anything about anything, but I'm looking under covers, you know, pressing buttons and nothing's working. And I open the breaker box and I see there's this big fuse in there and it is all burnt up to a crisp. And I didn't even know what the fuse was, but I knew like, this probably shouldn't look like this, okay? But I thought, how am I going to get this thing out of there? It's wedged in there pretty good. So I went inside and I went to the kitchen and I pulled out a pair of scissors and I went out to the breaker box and I... Uh, jammed those scissors in there to pry that thing out and the whole thing exploded right in front of my face. I was screaming like it was a big deal, right? And the scissors were fused together. Like I couldn't even open the scissors. It wasn't even scissors anymore. It was just a shiv at that point, you know, like like they were not scissors. They didn't open. So I didn't know what was, I didn't know what had happened. So I called my friend. And I said, hey buddy, um, I got my air conditioner not working. And I tried to get these this uh, fuse out with some scissors and it blew up in my face. And he said, you stuck scissors in a breaker box? I was like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, are you an idiot? I was like, I think so. Oh, no. You know, like terrible. I was just no clue what's going on. So now like I'm so scared to work with anything electrical. If I have to change a light bulb that's broken, like I tell Jessica, I'm like this, this part of the house looks better without a light anyway. Like I, I think it looks all right the way it is, you know, because I don't even want anything to do with it. But when I do, when I do get advice on how to do some DIY stuff now, I don't ever just wing it. I go in line by line, instruction by instruction, like tell me exactly what to do. I need to cut off the power to the whole block. Okay, I'm going to cut off the power to the whole block. You know, like I'm not taking any chances here at all. Why? Because my life matters. I'm important to the Lord. I'm important to me. I'm important to my wife and my kids. I don't want to be dead by sticking scissors in a breaker box. You know what I mean? Like this is a bad idea. I want to get it right because it matters. God has given you this life and it matters that you get it right. And I'm telling you, if it takes everything inside of you, you better get it right. You only get one of these things and it matters for all eternity. And so because my life matters and getting it right matters, I'm going to go to the source, the one that created me, the one that is the author of all wisdom. I'm going to say, God, what is it that you want me to do? And every single bit of it that God says to do, I'm going to say, okay, yes, I'm going to do it. That's what Noah did. God said, look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die. But... I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives, bring a pair of every kind of animal, male and female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take aboard enough food for you, your family, and for all the animals. Verse 22, so Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded. 
You know, it doesn't even talk about Noah and God having a dialogue here. In fact, when you read this story and you go through, Noah doesn't even say anything till much later. Like the whole point from God telling me to do this, him building this stuff, him getting on the ark, all that. Like he's not saying anything. The Bible just says he did everything exactly as God commanded. And if you think about the world that Noah was living in, Noah obeying God was very public. Like when me and you obey God, like we're going to live for God. But sometimes we go to work and we can live for God, but it's almost like we're very quiet about it. Like, I'm going to follow God, but I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to make anybody mad. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want, I'm just going to keep it to myself. Like, yeah, I'll do everything you say, Lord, but I'm just going to, between you and me, me and you, we got this. Private, secret society. Noah built a boat one and a half football fields long and four stories high, and it took him 120 years to do it. There ain't no hiding that. Noah lived 100 miles away from the sea. Like, they've never seen a flood before. Some people say they've never seen rain before. Like, it's just a wild situation that Noah's obedience to God was very public. And in a time where no one lived for God and no one obeyed God, imagine the ridicule. Imagine how much people made fun of him. And he would go and he would preach and he would do, but no one cared. No one listened. They were just thinking this dude is out of his mind. Despite all of that, Noah said, I'm going to do everything God commands. And my encouragement to you today is this. Determining your heart now before anything else, that I'm going to obey God's word no matter what, no matter how it makes me look, no matter what anyone else says. Like I've made this mistake before because I will, instead of just obeying God's word, like I'm following people. And there might be some people where they have compromise in their life. And I see their compromise and I say, well, if they're doing it, then ah, it's probably okay for me to do it too. If you see someone that says, uh, I'm a Christian and I'm going to teach you the Bible, but what the Bible says isn't actually this, right? Uh, and I start looking for people that can give me a longer leash. Like I can do different things because I want to do different things. And so I'm going to believe their interpretation of scripture because it's a little easier to deal with instead of just believing what God's word says. Like I've been guilty of all these different things, but I'm telling you right now, you um, have to determine this in your heart before you face trial, before you face tribulation, that I am going to, my comfort is not my priority. What people think about me and if they, they laugh at my standards, or none of that is my priority. My priority is God's word, what he says and I'm going to live for him with all of my life. So I'm going to obey God and do everything he says. Number three, the last one is this. We see Noah trust God even when he doesn't understand. 
of all this story, you, I mean, you guys know how the story goes. God sees the evil. He finds Noah. He tells Noah to build the ark. Noah builds the ark. He gets on the boat with all the animals. The flood comes. The flood goes. And God establishes a covenant with man. He says, hey, I'm never going to flood the earth again. I'm never going to destroy the earth with a flood again. Okay? That's how it all goes. But one of my, just studying this week and reading, one of my favorite parts of this whole deal, I just want to go back to the instructions that he gave Noah. In verse 14, he says, build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. He's given him very detailed instructions on how to build this ark, and he tells him all the things that he needs to do to build the ark. But you know one thing that God does not tell Noah to do? One thing that's missing from these instructions? He doesn't tell Noah to put a rudder on the ark. A rudder is the piece of a boat or a ship that, that steers the boat. He doesn't tell Noah to put a sail at the top. He doesn't tell Noah to put a big captain's wheel in the boat. All of that stuff is missing. And I believe it's because God never intended for Noah to navigate the ark in the middle of the storm. God told Noah, you, the animals, your family, get on the boat, close the door, and then trust me. I think a lot of times this is what happens with us when we get in the middle of something that's a storm in life and we don't understand why God has put us in this situation. And we say, God, what am I here for? Like, I don't understand this. We try to navigate our way out of it. It's like, I want to steer my boat. I need to get out of this. I don't understand. Like, I'm, I'm going to do something. I'm going to take control. But I think what you see here in this is that there was a flood. There were storms, absolutely. There were problems. You know, even when Noah gets on the boat, you don't see God talk to Noah again during that whole trip. Like, there's not a dialogue. If I'm Noah, I'm probably wanting a dialogue. Like, all right, God, now what do you want me to do, you know? I got this rhinoceros. Like, what am I supposed to do with this thing, you know? Why am I, why am I here? But you don't see any of that. What do you see? God is navigating the boat. God is moving them exactly where they need to be. And you may not have a boat to get in during storms. But if you are in Christ, it's the same thing. When I'm in Christ, I don't have to steer my boat. I don't have to worry about the navigation. I have to be in Christ and God will take me where I need to be. My responsibility is to follow Jesus. And as I do, we say this all the time, as you follow him day after day, step after step, he will lead you 
right where you need to be. Even in the worst moment that you have, look, the storm is high, the waters are high. And I love this verse in Genesis 8.1. He's in the boat. He doesn't know what's going on. But God remembered Noah. He is faithful. He remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. My encouragement to you this morning is even when you don't know what's happening, when it doesn't make sense and you have no clue what I'm supposed to do, trust that he is faithful and remember these words from Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight.